Hello, friends, and welcome to a celebratory episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's me, it's Patrick, here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, home of lobster and other types of fish, I think, of what else we have here. Uh, way, way out west uh, in the Prairie Province, the flattest and most rectangular of provinces, Saskatchewan, is Justin Professor Anderson. Hey, Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it's good to be here for the uh, 100th episode. It's uh, been a long ride, but I'm excited to keep keep on going forward. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's weird because like we're obviously we've recorded things uh, out of order and like we've definitely done more than 100 episodes at this <laughs> point. Um, but just the idea of actually celebrating a hundred episodes uh i don't know it just it makes my heart grow three sizes from the usual black uh squished object that pumps sludge through <laughs> uh, yeah we've come a long way since early june of 2018 so two almost two and a half years later here we're still going strong was it 2018 or 2017 because it was I definitely 2018 you always you always think it was earlier than it was i don't know why yeah. i don't know what I don't know. For, I don't know. Like maybe it's just like I don't. Time no longer has any meaning. Time is relative, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us for episode number one hundred. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Uh, you can find us on all your favorite streaming services. You can find us on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube Play or YouTube Music, whatever it's called now. Uh, <laughs> The Play Store is like changing its name now. Uh, tune in and Stitcher. Um, I'd, I'd say now is the time for us to um, put this to bed. We're not going to be on Nexopia. <clears throat> not going to be on LimeWire or Kazaa. I think we've just given up on those. And uh, we're going to stick with these. The uh, the big six that we are, uh, you can find us on now. Yeah, but, there's more than that too. <laughs> We're on a bunch of different places, and I think that uh, we we finally took down our MySpace page, so oh, yeah. uh, we've <laughs> moved on from that. Man, I remember 2005 being on MySpace and thinking like, it's never gonna get any better than this, and I was <laughs> right. I was right, but you know, who knew that the juggernaut of Facebook was gonna come and take over our lives for uh, a good decade before it started to suck. But uh, thanks, everybody. It's 100. How do you feel about it? And, you know? Yeah, I feel great. I, I feel 27, but 100, if this is what 100 feels like, then uh, then I'll take it any day of the week. Oh, God, that was bad. Boo me, please. <laughs> Boo. It's been a while since I booed anybody. Yeah, we haven't booed anybody for a while. And then and the guy who used to boo everybody all the time was uh, our good friend uh, Clayton Croker. Um, just I'm sure people have noticed over the past, I guess, probably month or so of releasing episodes that Clayton hasn't been hasn't been a part of the show um he's just been incredibly busy with with life uh work being on radio during a pandemic as I'm sure you can imagine uh in any news related business it's a bit of a grind talking about the same thing every day uh Clayton's been taking on some other responsibilities with his with the radio station that he works for as well here in Saskatoon uh, that's made him really just unavailable to record at uh, times when we are uh, attempting to do so so he's just stepped away from the show um not sure if clayton will ever be back but we want to just take the time today to to thank clayton for everything that he brought to the show in the time that he was with us 
uh, he really showed Patrick and I the ropes of of what we would say is like ra- good radio. Uh, for those of you who don't really know or haven't been listening the whole time, uh, Patrick and I don't have a background in in podcasting or in radio or anything like that. Uh, my foray into radio was just voicing a few lines for the odd commercial when I sold radio advertising. That's how I, uh, I met Clayton was working at the same station. But Clayton really took us uh, from from stat heavy junkies to uh, turn us into some better speakers. And I think we can we can definitely say that without Clayton's influence on the show uh, and how much he supported us from the very beginning and helped us get better that we probably wouldn't have made it this far. Would you agree with that, Patrick? 100%. Clayton was kind of like the Obi-Wan Kenobi to our Luke Skywalker, <laughs> to use the Star Wars reference. Uh, he took us under his wing and, and he was very generous with his time. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, I mean, having the three-man booth like this it was something that I absolutely loved. And uh, I always love the insight that Clayton brings into anything that he does, whether it's uh, the radio show with uh, with the radio station. You can still check him out at Radio Clayton on Twitter. He's very funny. One of my favorite people. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if anything, you know, this one's for you, buddy. This one's for you, Clayton. For sure. And uh I know my my mom made us some some special little gifts, so we'll we'll definitely we'll open those up, and we'll uh, we'll post some pictures on the on the BFMD podcast Twitter. Uh, we've got one for Clayton too, so I'll be bringing it over to Clayton's house here at some point and probably put it in his mailbox so I don't have to touch him and spread the <laughs> covids. Uh, but uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely open those up, and I believe that my mom included some little cards too. So thanks, Mrs. Anderson. Uh, it's been a it's been a fucking good ride. That one's for you, mom. Uh, <laughs> I had to. But before we move on from uh, from the Clayton talk, I just want to I want to tell a quick story here. Um, it's it's all about how the podcast kind of came to be. So back in, in early 2018, uh, Patrick and I were both writing writing baseball articles for a uh, for a sports website magazine type thing that's how him and i met and uh right around the time that joey Votto uh told everybody that he didn't really care about canadian baseball was when patrick and i kind of when we got into a little bit of an argument i didn't think it was a huge deal patrick was was pretty uh, up in arms about the whole joey Votto thing so we started messaging uh all about it and then basically i i think i said at one point we should just do a podcast about this and then that what one sentence kind of spiraled from there. We started talking a little bit more about the actual idea of of starting up a podcast with with Patrick being in Halifax and, and me being in Saskatoon. Um, and then over the course of time, we we decided that the name of the podcast would be uh, Bat Flips and Maple Dips, um, both because it rhymes and also because uh, Jose Bautista's Bat Flip was a very important part of Blue Jays history for us, and the Maple Dip is a amazing donut uh, <laughs> that's yes. really all i can say about that but from there I, I brought up that i i worked with this guy at this radio station who loves sports was a huge jays fan uh generally takes off takes, takes a day off every opening day uh to watch the blue jays baseball games and that's that's clayton so um i didn't really think about the aspect of like using radio station equipment to record the episodes i just wanted clayton to be a part of the project so i went in one morning and talked to him after his show about the fact that uh, me and, and this guy at Halifax were going to start this Blue Jays podcast. And I asked if he'd want to be a part of it. And right away, he was like, yeah, I'd love to. And better yet, we can actually use the secondary station here at the, at the studio to uh, to record. 
and uh, that was like whoa this is uh this is actually a real thing so uh for about the first i guess probably 75 to 80 episodes we were actually able to use professional radio station equipment to record the episodes and with mixers and adobe audition software and all this fantastic gear that that the radio station provided so it wasn't just the fact that clayton really taught us about uh, about radio, it's just the fact that we were able to use this professional grade equipment even after I left the radio station to move on to a different sales role elsewhere. Um, so we can we owe Clayton a lot, not only for uh, his time on the show with with content uh, and being a staunch supporter on on Twitter, but also for the fact that he really brought us into the the radio world and helped us see the the benefits of having good studio quality equipment. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got to say about Clayton. I think we're we're gonna miss him for sure. Uh, wish him the best, and I'm sure he'll keep uh, keep supporting us from from afar. But Patrick, let's move on. I know we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, kind of the history of of the podcast, but also what the Blue Jays have been doing since we began. So I'm gonna throw it back to you for that. Yeah, I mean, and what a great way to sort of detail the history, the origin story of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. And it was actually, it was you who came up with the name Bat Flips and Maple Dips. And I don't remember exactly how you did it, but I'm glad that you did because we ended up getting a kick-ass logo out of it too. Yeah, show it to my friend Kelvin for that. One of my high school buddies, uh, Kelvin Scratz, built that logo for us. So good. And I definitely, I mean, the Maple Dip is, of course... Canada's mightiest <laughs> donut. Mightiest. Sure. Um, but I just remember like way back when when we started this thing, we were it wasn't too long after we had those successful years, and then 2017 was kind of a, a shit show, and it was Gibby's last year. Uh, and injuries had really done a number on, on the team mm-hmm. the year before. So we had high hopes uh early on in uh, I think it, you said it was 2018. 2018 so, is when we started, yeah. Yeah, I think we were above 500 or around 500 or something like that around that time. And I At was the like, time that we started, yeah, we were. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, the team was like, oh, yeah, we might still have a year or two left in the window. And then here. we didn't. Yeah, and then we were just absolutely horrible. And 2019 was uh, about as bad as it gets. <laughs> I think that was the season <laughs> that the team had the fewest wins in like 40 years or something like that. Yeah, it was. it was not great. Uh, yeah, it was really depressing, <laughs> um, but still, it was hard not to love the Jays. It's hard not to love a team of scrappy underdogs. Uh, you know, we're still trying to find their way, and there were a lot of placeholder players, and we started to see the debut of a lot of guys who I think are going to have long careers uh, in Toronto. I mean, think about it. Like, go way back to, like, 2018, and, like, think about, like, that was Guriel's first year. That was mm-hmm. when he popped onto the scene. Yeah. And he's like, I'm like his number one super fan. <laughs> Thomas Pannone hype train was in full effect. That's right. That was the beginning of the Thomas Pannone hype train. RIP. Permanently. <laughs> it's in, in a museum somewhere. Yeah. Oh, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Jones. Yeah. Those were, those were, those were good times because it was just, it was fun, even though the team was bad and they weren't expected to compete. It was fun. Like we would be, we'd pull off these sneaky good wins, and there was a lot to be hopeful about. Um, but we also saw like the end of a lot of uh, Jay's uh, tenures. So we said goodbye to Josh Donaldson, Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, that was 
uh, around the time that uh, we started to see guys like uh, Biagini, Panone, uh, or not Panone, uh, who am I thinking? Uh, Sanchez, yeah. Stroman. We were saying goodbye to all these guys, uh, you know, before we hit 50 episodes. And it was, I don't know, like it was weird because they were young. And I was like, well, what's going on? Like, is this team going to compete still? Like, are we just blowing it all up? Um, but they did it all through the draft. And that's how you do it. That you yep. know, That's very how teams like the Astros got successful again. And the Cubs, they, they built up internally. They were, they were tough times, but look how far we've come. Yeah. It's the start of this podcast. For sure. And I mean, the fact that we were able to kind of adapt during the whole pandemic here, we, we did take some time off when, when baseball was on hiatus. But as soon as baseball came back, we just like everybody else started recording from home. And uh, just the fact that we were able to persevere through that, we could have easily let COVID-19 um, end the show if we would have decide to, to stop doing it entirely it could have it could have happened but we chose not to and here we are we're looking forward to the the next 100 episodes so um we do have a big episode for you guys today it's going to be a bit of a longer listen but we've got two great guests on the podcast today that we've got segments recorded from uh the first being a free agency discussion with uh, our number one recurring guest, our, probably our favorite guest to have on because he's always got great insight, is Chris Henderson, uh, co-editor, contributor at Jay's Journal, a really great baseball Blue Jays website. You can look them up at jaysjournal.com or at Jay's Journal on Twitter. Chris's handle is at baseball4, the number four, baseball4brains. And he's also a really, really amazing country musician, guy from Saskatchewan, so I love uh, plug in his stuff as much as possible. So check out his articles and also give him his music a listen. You'll probably uh, find that even if you aren't a country music fan, that you'll probably like what Hendo's got to say. Uh, next guest, this is one that we've been, Patrick and I have been, uh, I don't want to say fantasizing about this one for a long time, but wanting it to happen. And that is the voice of the Blue Jays, uh, Dan Shulman of ESPN Radio and Sportsnet. You can find him uh, right now calling playoff games for ESPN Radio. Uh, but also on Twitter at dshulman underscore ESPN, another great Canadian sports broadcaster. Uh, we tried to keep the episode pretty Canadian-centered, especially with the guests that we had on. But with that being said, we want to get into the first segment today with Chris Henderson on free agency. Again, thanks everybody for listening. Enjoy the show. Okay, for our next segment, we're bringing in... Uh, our favorite recurring guest on Batflips Maple Dips, uh, Chris Henderson of Jay's Journal. Uh, Hendo, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. I see you got my writer that I have to be called your favorite, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, we uh, that's in the contract terms whenever Hendo appears is that we don't have to pay him, we just have to tell him that he's our favorite, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty easy minute, win whoa, for whoa. us. <laughs> I, got, I really got to get a better agent. <laughs> I wasn't aware you had an agent, but I'm, I'm, I... I I guess I have to get in contact with them next time. But uh, today we, we brought Hendo on uh, as a big part of episode 100 here, guys, because we want to really talk about free agency. Who are the Jays going to get? What are our biggest needs? And we're going to maybe argue a little bit today about uh, who we want, why we want them, and how much we should pay them. Uh, but really, first thing we want to get into, we're going to jump right into the meat of the meat and potatoes here, is positional needs uh hendo biggest positional need for the blue jays go 
Uh, well, I have two answers um, to that. Third, third base is the, obviously the first one. I mean, um, Travis Shaw still has another year of arbitration eligibility, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'd certainly like to see an upgrade in the infield, whether that comes at third base or if they want to slide Bijou to third and have a second baseman, that's fine. Um, but the other one I would say is in center field. Um, I think there needs to be an upgrade there as well. Perfect. Patrick, what are yours? Um, I'm going to say let's load up the bullpen with as many high-quality relievers as possible. Uh, there is a juicy list of relievers that are going to be available uh, in 2020-21 free agency. I don't know how we're referring to it because it's not 2020 free agency. 2021. 2021 free agency. Yeah. I don't know. It's really confusing because like we've already had 2020 free agency. And then that's when we signed Hanjin Ryu. But... I think you're the only one who's confused by this, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I just find it annoying. I just wish the year was like, I just want 2020 to be over. I want to move on. <laughs> For it. anyone else out there who's listening who doesn't want, who uh, doesn't follow the NHL, some, se- some professional sports have a 2020 21 season. <laughs> yes. That's true. I'm, I'm just, just giving e- you a hard time. I'm just easily tripped up by it. But anyway, I, it's relievers. To me, it's relievers. Uh, we had a great bullpen this year. It was top 15-ish, I would say, uh, in the league. But I want to push us over the edge because there are a lot of games, especially against the Tampa Bay Rays, where we were you know, either in the lead or we were only a, a run or two behind. And I think in order for us to compete next year in 2021 – uh, we should load up our bullpen kind of like what the Kansas City Royals did uh, when they went on to win their title. Mm. Okay, yeah. And then for me, uh, I'm going to agree with the second point of, of Hendo's statement where he said a center fielder, a little upgrade there. I would love to even get more specific and say we should get a left-handed outfielder because we are right-handed heavy everywhere in our lineup, uh, especially in the outfield. So I'd love to see a left-handed hitting option there. But yeah, I think defense is the priority for me this offseason. And I think, yeah, I think it begins in center field. Okay, Hendo, back to you. You mentioned third base. Mm-hmm. Who's the guy you would target there? You know what? I I don't know that I would really look for like a huge upgrade this year. And, and I say that because the market really is kind of underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at third baseman, I mean, I, I'm just kind of scanning and looking at the list. Other than DJ LeMahieu, who which I don't think is going to be an option for the Blue Jays, um, there really isn't like an impact player there. So if I'm the Blue Jays, you know, I'd be looking for a one-year kind of Band-Aid solution. You know, ideally something better than Travis Shaw. But, it, you know, if they return a tandem of like Shaw and Joe Panic again next year, I wouldn't be as angry as I normally would just given and the reason I say that is because the market is so weak at that position Um, but and I also say that because uh, there's a lot of talent coming a year from now uh, in free agency when it comes to free to infield options so um, I'm never really a huge fan of trading for a guy uh, who's got one year you know who's a rental um, especially when with given the situation the Blue Jays are in in their rebuild and stuff but um, right now I just don't like the free agent market yeah, good qu- a good question as a follow-up here. Well, I think it's a good question anyway. I'm just going to pat myself on the back. Uh, in, in one year, does, is Austin Martin ready to play third base for the Blue Jays? 
He might be. You know, it's it's unfortunate that um, that he lost the opportunity to play this season. Yeah. You know, obviously they were, they had their camp or whatever, but that doesn't replace live games and, and AAA experience or AA experience or wherever he would have landed this year. You know, and the same goes for Jordan Grosshands. Either one of those mm-hmm. two guys might be options a year from now. Um, I don't know that you want to bank on that, but um, that's part of why I don't love the idea of like a long-term solution at the third base and something like a Band-Aid would be just fine, um, you know, with me given the rest of the roster. Yeah, totally with you there. Patrick, any input on the third base discussion? Yes, I'm actually going to take a firm stance against us doing anything when it comes to third base, aside from keeping Travis Shaw around. And the reason why is because if we look at the numbers for Travis Shaw, he did not have a a bad season. And, uh, you know, he's he's younger than a lot of the guys who are available uh, coming up in free agency. Like, uh, like Hendo said, it's not really a great uh, set of free agents uh, coming in right now for third base. Uh, And there's even fewer impact players. Like he suggested, obviously DJ LeMayhew, Michael Brantley are two guys that come to mind, but that's pretty much where, uh, you know, the elite players kind of drop off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Shaw, I mean, he has a great eye. He is, uh, his career OBP is uh, 325, which if anybody who listens to the show knows me at all, knows that I'm obsessed with on-base percentage. And if you can get on base, I think that's, you know, that's the start of uh, where I would want to build a player. And he still has the ability to, to hit for power. He, his 162 game average, he could hit 20, 25 home runs. He could still drive guys in depending on where he is in the, uh, in the lineup. And he is a bit of a a strikeout fiend and it's not getting any better with age. Uh, But he makes solid, hard contact. And I think he could be the kind of guy we chuck into, you know, sixth, seventh or eighth in the lineup. And defensively, he's competent enough. I think we should just stick with Shaw for now and uh, at least buy the younger guys in our in our pool uh, some time to develop. And if Shaw ends up being terrible, uh, well, then I'm sure we could make a trade uh, at some point in the season if he's, you know, hitting a buck 50 or lower. Or we bring somebody up from AAA uh, or we take a flyer on Santiago Espinal. If not, you know, it's just one year. And uh, I'm 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 not in favor of paying someone like Jake Lamb, you know, five or ten million dollars to hit a buck sixty, buck seventy. I'm just not. I don't know. I'm very not into the free agents at third base. Yeah, I think uh, if if the class was stronger, as Hendo pointed out, there'd be more of a argument to be made for going to get somebody. But just because of the weakness there, there's just really no point in us breaking the bank for anybody this season. Um, Outfielders, Handel, you, you know you brought out center field. I'm with you there. Who's a guy you want to target to fill that void? Oh, uh, you know what? I don't. I don't really know. I don't yeah. really. Um, again, I don't like the the options. Um, I don't like the options in the free agent market. Um, you know, there is George Springer, but I don't. I, I'm not in favor of paying the kind mm. of contract that he's going to command <laughs> as a free agent. I'm really not. I mean, uh, to me, what you need is uh, from your center field. Um, 
is a Jonathan Davis type of guy with a little bit more offense. Uh, yeah. Is, is um, you know, I I would sooner give the opportunity to, to a guy like Davis. I mean, we'll, I'll go on with that more in a in a bit. But um, you know, depending on what goes on again with like a band aid solution type of thing, I'm not convinced that Austin Martin's not going to end up in center field eventually. So right. if the Blue Jays could sign somebody like a Jackie Bradley on a two-year deal, um, I wouldn't hate that. Um, but uh, I'm not in favor of, of pursuing George Springer unless the contract, unless the bottom falls out of the contract offer that we're expecting. What about a guy like Michael Brantley? Any interest in him? I say no, only because I don't think the Blue Jays have room. You know, yeah. you, you look at the corner outfield situation with, with Gurriel Jr. and with Che Oscar Hernandez, they're, they're pretty much locked into left and right, mm-hmm. right field. And there's not much room for the DH at bats either when you've got yep. Rowdy Tellez and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, splitting time between first and DH. Um, there are corner outfielders that could certainly help the team, but I just don't think that um, it would make, you know, if you're pushing Teoscar Hernandez back to center field, I don't think that makes you a better coach. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, I, I, I really, I would love to see Michael Brantley as a Blue Jay, but yeah, sure. totally just, it just isn't room. I mean, right. you, you're not going to move Guriel because he's just getting, still getting used to playing left field. Right. Uh, and yeah, because of the long jam at DH, we, it just doesn't make positional sense to bring him in. Um, one guy I'm curious in, I know, I think Patrick's interested in a little bit is maybe Jock Peterson. Patrick, any input on that? I'm a little bit interested in Jock Peterson because he's got so much power potential. My guy out of the list though, uh, I love the idea of Michael Brantley, but I think it necessitates us trading somebody, which I know I, I'm not wild on because I don't like missing out on, uh, you know, getting maximum return. And I don't know if if we could get maximum return for anybody who's in our outfield right now. And I don't know if I'd even want to, I like our outfield as is right now. And I, I, you know, we, we just saw the best out of Teoscar Hernandez and uh, Randall Grichuk's batting average went up by over 30 points this year. And Guriel, I mean, but what was I, his on base percentage like though? That's the important <laughs> question. Cause it wasn't that great. Three twelve will be Yeah. That's not it's not great. That's it's not, not great. great. It's not what you want, but uh, especially for someone who's supposed to be like a power hitter, mm. uh, and he and that's what he is. I think I would go with JBJ. I love the idea of this. Like, I think I, he's always been a tremendous athlete. He's not the kind of guy who's going to hit three hundred, but he's got wheels and he's still young. Um, him in center. If we had to do something. I would say JBJ in center field would be pretty sweet. I'd be down for that. Yeah, about, and, you know, like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you know, no I problem. just fin- I just finished writing an article that'll be published, you know, this coming week here, um, writing about why now is the time to trade Randall Greychuk because you're right, the outfield is kind of complete as it is that we've got three starters, and and I think Jonathan Davis is a more than capable fourth guy. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, Greychuk, if I think if the Blue Jays are really serious about trying to improve their team defense. And the only place they can do it um, is in center field. Um, I just, Randall Grichuk was was serviceable. But, um, you know, looking at a, a simple stat like D-War from baseball reference, he was negative 0.7 this year. And, uh, you know, you at least want to have a league average guy out there, I think, at center field. And ideally better, right? What about this? So, yeah, I, I, I was just going to bring up a trade for, for Grichuk. Or what about trading Tasker Hernandez? He, no. you don't want to trade him. He's he's got lots of value. Three years of arbitration still. Um, 
he would he would fetch a pretty penny, I think, at this point. It's I think it's at least open for consideration for me. Uh, I do want to see Teoscar, and, and I hope that this is this is the real him. But I think that the if the price was right, I don't know if I, I don't think I'd be able to say no. It would have to depend on the price. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. you'd have to put a trade in front of me. But right now, I don't. I mean, the guy made you know half a million bucks or whatever it was this year, and he's and yeah. yes, he's going to be do a raise, but uh, he was our best mm-hmm. hitter throughout the whole season. So I I hate um, the idea of trading him. However, um, you know, you you always look at the offer. Okay, uh, bullpen. This is what Patrick brought up. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to throw it to you for this one. Who is a guy that you want the Jays to bring into the pen? No matter how much money it takes, I want Liam Hendricks in our bullpen next year. I don't care. There's no price that's too high. Well, maybe like 50, <laughs> probably too high, but but like I love the idea of just throwing a ridiculous amount of money at Liam Hendricks and Blake Trainin and saying like, listen, I know you guys could probably get more money from the New York Yankees, but this team is going to be much better than the Yankees in the long term for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So fuck the Yankees. Come play for us. Having those two guys and maybe even throw in a Trevor Rosenthal. I would throw, I like if I had an internal budget of like $20 million to spend during the offseason, throw $20 million between the three of those guys and see who's willing to sign just do it. They would they would make our bullpen so much stronger, which is already pretty decent. We had a lot of overperforming relievers this year, um, but all those games that we lost to the Rays uh, late in uh, late in uh, in the game, th- those would turn into wins. I'm convinced of it, and I think these guys are the guys we want to put our put our money behind. So you want to give Liam Hendricks, B.J. Ryan money. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. We oh need, my God. see, we don't have a bona fide closer anymore. Ken Giles is. We first. didn't have Ken Giles all season though. I know. And we had to do it by committee and it worked to some extent, but there's a big difference between a 60 game season and 162 game season. And I think eventually somebody has to rise up from that group <sighs> to be a bona fide ace reliever. And I think Liam Hendricks is the guy who could lead the bullpen to you know the glory that we experienced in 2015 <laughs> and would you give would you give liam hendrix bj ryan money no not even not even wouldn't even consider it i couldn't disagree with you more patrick i you know if i was sitting in ross atkins's seat and i totally understand where you're coming from i even wrote an article um, suggesting the Blue Jays should sign Liam Hendricks. But, you know, I, I write about lots of things that I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily do if I was actually a GM. <laughs> uh, if it were up to me, I would re-sign Anthony Bass and uh, to join in the seventh and eighth inning committee. Like, he's going to get a raise that he's, is well-deserved. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I would certainly re-sign him as long as the price isn't too ridiculous. And I would re-sign Ken Giles to a two-year deal. Uh, he's not going to be available next year, but uh, I think you could probably get him to to uh, sign for very cheap on the hope that he's going to help in 2022. Um, right. And, you know, and then after that, I would put as much as uh, my, my opinion shifted a lot in the last few years. But after that, I would put my faith in Ross Atkins and, and that scouting staff to find some some diamonds in the rough or some, you know, one man's garbage is another man's treasure because they've right. been doing a really good job of that the last few years. You know, the AJ Coles or the Raphael <laughs> Delises or the, you know, dare I say it, Shun Yamaguchi. They're not paying any of these guys 
anything and they've all they found some really good contributors um you know on a on a pretty minimal budget and uh they they've really sifted through that kind of low end free agent pool and found some great contributors so i i mean i wouldn't uh i just you know the more that i think about it the more i remember the the investments that have been made in guys like bj ryan or watching other teams that have, you know, like the Mets bringing in Diaz and, and all the disasters that have happened in the bullpen. It's such yeah. a volatile area that um, I, I personally love Jordan Romano as a closer. Um, and I'd be handing him the job um, in spring training next year and, and just get bringing in some guys to support him, like, like an Anthony Bass. I will actually agree with you 100% there. I think the one guy that I'd, I'd love to see the Jays take a shot at is uh, Alex Colome. I've always liked him. I mean, he throws hard. He pitched very well with the White Sox. He's going to be due for some money, of course, as we've been saying about a lot of these guys. But I think if the Jays can bring in like one, one very good relief pitcher this winter to complement what they already have and, like you said, what they can do with their scouting system, I think that would be incredibly beneficial for us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you do not wrong. Yeah. The payroll is low, um, which I mean is a, is a good thing because I think the, the free agent class in, in 2022 is going to be much better. There's going to be some pitchers available. Uh, one thing we haven't covered is, is rotation options. So and that's really, where you spend the money. That's where you spend the money, and 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 really, I mean, we've got Ryu, we've got uh, Tanner Roark under contract, we've got an option on Chase Anderson, we've got Nate Pearson, whether or not he's ready for a full season. And then we've got impending free agents like Robbie Ray, Taiwan Walker, Matt Shoemaker. We've got these guys who are available that we've just had. Starting with those three, uh, Ray, Walker, and Shoemaker, Hendo, you keen on bringing back any of those guys, all of them? I, you know what? I'd be open to bringing all three of them back. Uh, I don't think Shoemaker, I don't, I think Shoemaker's actually going to get a decent offer. Like, I don't think he's going to make big money, but I have a feeling that somebody's going to offer him more than what we should pay him. Um, right. But, but uh, I think I would spend good money to retain Tiwan Walker and Robbie Ray, apparently. Um, you know, Sid Sixero said last week sometime that Robbie Ray really loved his time in Toronto, and so did Taewon Walker. And and if you can in get Buffalo. Robbie Ray, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, yes, in Buffalo, you know, if you can get Robbie Ray on a one-year kind of show-me contract um, right. to, to add to the depth, then then I wouldn't mind that at all either. Um, you know, Walker and Ray, and, and 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 I like Shoemaker. I just again, I think I have a feeling he's going to get more than than what I'd be comfortable paying him. Yeah, I know. I know Patrick wants wants Taiwan Walker back, so I'll defer to him for that. But I would love to see. I would love to see Shoemaker back. I I like the idea of Robbie Ray. I just don't know if if he's ever going to get back to that form that he had, where he can be useful. Um, I think really the biggest the biggest name that's like out there for free agent free agents that I'd like to see. Let's bring in mostly for sentimental cleaning reasons is James Paxton. Um, I know, sure. I think we all can probably agree that he's he's got potential to be like a, a great number three starter. Probably, I don't know if you want to go lefty lefty behind Ryu, but um, any thoughts on Paxton? Yeah, I'll I say mean, so. uh, yeah, go ahead, Patrick. Well, I, I love the idea of James Paxton just because he is a lefty. And we need more lefties because we just don't have enough of them on this team. Uh, and he's Canadian, and there's there is that sort of sentimentality. 
Uh, he did not have a great 2020. Um, he had a, a pretty strong 2019, though, and I, I, I don't see him as being the kind of guy whose abilities are just going to disintegrate after an injury season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like what he brings, what he, what he could potentially bring uh, as far as like in the short term, some stability to our rotation, a guy who could chew up a bunch of innings. I, I said all this about Tanner Rourke last year, and I was super fucking wrong about <laughs> Tanner Rourke. Uh, so I still have some egg on my face about that. But I like the idea of filling out the rotation with James Paxton. Um, I absolutely, I am so firmly in favor of throwing ridiculous amounts of money in Taiwan Walker to keep him. I think he has so much potential. And I was, I've been saying this on the podcast since 2017 when we first started it a hundred episodes ago, Taiwan Walker is definitely kind of player that I want on the team and I'd be okay with Robbie Ray, but if we swing and miss on James Paxton, there's always Jose uh, Quintana and I'm not a hundred percent against a reunion with Marcus Stroman, and I know that's controversial. So I, I think Marcus Stroman is 100% against the reunion, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, for those of you at home who are listening, uh, if you haven't been taking a drink when Patrick wants to throw a ridiculous amount of money at somebody, I think we're up to five now. <laughs> I've been trying to keep track in my head, and I, I wish I had some rum with me because I'd be feeling pretty good at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Hendo, Patrick brings up an interesting conversation topic if there was a mutual desire for a reunion would you bring marcus Stroman back to toronto god no, no. <laughs> yeah no okay easy we'll leave it no, at that no. <laughs> <laughs> what about jose quintana do you want to see him in a jay's uniform no no you know what like i'm really not terribly any middling starters yeah um you know, if you're getting a guy that's like on a buy low, um, you know, one year kind of thing, like what I talked about with Robbie Ray, yeah. um, then sure. But um, I, I feel I like the Blue Jays depth when it comes to starters. You know, I don't like the potential group that we're looking at for next year as it stands right now. But if you're looking at the six to 12 guys on the depth chart, you know, the Anthony Kays, the Trent Thorntons, the, you know, Thomas Hatches, the, those kind of guys, uh, I'd rather see them get an opportunity than bring in a guy like Quintana. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think it's better to stick with the the known commodities like Robbie Ray and, and Shoemaker and, and Taiwan Walker. No idea about. Um, any last thoughts on free agency that either you guys want to throw out? Patrick, I'll start with you. Yeah, I I think the more that I look at the list of guys who are available, um, there are some interesting names like that we could get Cespedes for a year. And I'm still not 100% against Michael Brantley because we do need an elite left-handed bat. The more I look at it, yes. (laughs) The more I think about it, though, the more I think that, yeah, we really should wait another year uh, as far as investing money in a starting pitcher. Aside from Taiwan Walker, there, you know, there's like some guys who had great years in the past, like Jake Odorizzi, Jake Arrieta. I don't think there's any other Jakes. Uh, there's a Tra- Trevor Bauer, <laughs> Trevor Rosenthal. There's Jakes, there's Trevors, but there's nobody out there who really uh, kind of tickles my fancy quite in the way that uh, that Walker does. So I don't know. I'd be even fine with Matt Shoemaker going away. I haven't really been overly fond 
uh, of uh, his injury history. And I don't know. Maybe maybe we do hold firm. Maybe we don't throw money at anybody except for Taiwan Walker, and that would be okay because the window I think is only just opening for us. Yeah. Um, one last thing to throw in here that I just thought about. I can't remember if it was Jay's journal or not, um, but somebody had posted a, an article about uh, a hypothetical of bringing Aaron Sanchez back. Um, that, that was not me. <laughs> that was not you, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, if I if it was you, I would have known because you wouldn't do something like that. Uh, <laughs> but I I said to Patrick when we were chatting a little bit, like, what if you what if you bring him back on a minor league deal as like a tryout? I mean. There's really no harm done there. If it doesn't work out, you just send him hit on the street again. Uh, that'd be one guy where I'd like to maybe just give a flyer on. Maybe his fingers have. Maybe he spent all of his his recovery year toughening up his fingers so he doesn't get so many blisters. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It'd be it'd be just sitting around with a lighter. Yeah, he's just flicking a lighter all day. Yeah, he can probably do a lighter with his with his pinky now. He's probably that good. Uh, <laughs> um, Hendo, any last free agency thoughts from you? Maybe a guy we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, you know, I, I I think it was yesterday or two days ago that I wrote an article that was talking about stealing from division rivals, too. And so, yeah. you know, I like the idea of uh, a guy like James Paxson on the right price. And I think after a down year, you might be able to get him on a reasonable deal. So that that's a guy I wouldn't mind. Um, and then there's two other guys that, again, given it would have to be the right term or the right whatever. But, um, you know, Tanaka is going to be a free agent. I'm sure he'll stay in New York, but um, he could be yeah. an intriguing option if he does, you know, become available. The Yankees, as much as they have all the money in the world, they're, they're going to be up against the luxury tax in the, in the next few seasons. And, uh, you know, with Garrett Cole's contract and Stanton's contract and Aaron Judge is coming due in a couple of years and there's others too, right? Severino and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Charlie Morton. Um, right. You know, if you if uh, Charlie Morton was available, he signed a two year, thirty million dollar deal in Tampa Bay two years ago, and if he'd signed for two years and thirty million again, I'd hand it to him in a heartbeat. Um, even even with him having been injured this year, you know, he was third in Cy Young voting last year, um, right. and uh, at thirty seven years old, you know, he I like you know the idea of a rotation playoff rotation in twenty twenty one of Ryu Morton and uh, Nate Pearson. That could be, that couldn't be, that might not be bad, you know? No. And I mean, Morton showed that he still has game yesterday in, yeah. uh, in game seven. We won't, we won't get too much into that, but he's still got some life left in him. Um, the last thing that I wanted to bring up just as uh, interest is Trevor Bauer. We haven't talked about him at all. Patrick mentioned his name. I know Patrick and I talked a little bit about him in our last episode and the desire or lack thereof to bring him to the Blue Jays. Let me let me ask this question this way. So we all know that Trevor Bauer is a great, great pitcher. He's a fiery competitor. He's got the capability to go out and give you nine innings every time, maybe strike out like 12 to 15 batters. Like he's a he's got incredible stuff. The thing that is a turnoff with Trevor Bauer is is his off off the field stuff. Twitter to to name one thing. Um we saw the Blue Jays ship out Marcus Stroman, who was a similar character, a great, great competitor, but kind of a dingus on social media. Uh, any chance in hell that the Blue Jays go after Trevor Bauer, Hendo? I don't think so, and I'll t- give you two reasons why. Um, first, as you said, you know he is a bit of a controversial figure at times on social media, and he's, he's quick to call out the league and the commissioner's office whenever he's upset about something. 
uh, which yeah. I don't necessarily have a problem with like I'm doing that kind of stuff. You know, I don't like when he's bullying young women on Twitter, yes. but I mean, we, but, uh, um, but you know, I, I, I think the blue Jays have become such a cohesive unit. You know, you think about the face of this franchise right now, and you could argue for a bunch of different guys. And yeah. I think that's something that the Jays like, you know, they've got a group of young guys that are growing up together that uh, there's not like one dude that just stands out above the rest. You know, Bo Wichette's probably their best player, their best asset. But, you know, you'd have other people that would argue for, for Oscar Hernandez or, or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or whatever, right? And I think Bauer would just would add some individualism to a locker room that doesn't necessarily need it right now. And the second thing is Bauer has been adamant in the past that he wanted to go on like a one year deal or, you know, he wanted to go year to year on his contracts and bet on himself. And I'm not sure if he's still talking like that these days, but um, <laughs> but that's not something I would be interested in with anybody, really. I mean, no. not unless you were you were in this in the year that you thought this is our year, we push all our chips in and, you know, we're going to go for it 100 percent. And the Blue Jays aren't there yet. So. Unless Bauer was willing to, uh, you know, sign a five-year deal or something like that, then maybe you start looking at social media and decide whether that's something you can accept. But if he's really serious about, no, I want thirty million for one year, forty million for one year, whatever, then let uh, somebody else pay him. Hundred percent agree with you. Um, I think with that being said, that kind of wraps up our free agent talk. Hendo, thanks again for joining. Any uh, any last things you want to plug? No, just always check us out, jaysjournal.com, and I'm on Twitter at baseball for brains. That's baseball number four brains. And uh, thank you as always, gentlemen. Congratulations on your 100th episode. Uh, that's awesome, and thank you for inviting me back several times. No problem. We'll have you on hopefully lots in the future. Great stuff as always from Chris Henderson once again at baseball for brains on Twitter. Give him a follow. Read his stuff on Jay's Journal. Now, our next guest is a big one. I'm going to throw it right to Patrick. Take it away. All right, guys, this is a special one for us today. We've had guests on the show before, but today's is somebody that every Toronto Blue Jays fan has heard over the years. His broadcasting days began at the University of Western Ontario for the Mustangs and continued in the Toronto sports scene at the height of the Blue Jays and Maple Leafs' success in the early 1990s. Uh, I remember being a kid in 1995 and checking out Jay's games uh, with the new team of this man and Buck Martinez on TSN. Fast forward to 2020, and our guest is still going strong as the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays broadcasts alongside Buck Martinez and Hazel May. He also hosts the incredible podcast Swing and a Belt, and you can find that on all your favorite music streaming services. It is our privilege to welcome to the show for the first time Dan Shulman. Dan, thanks for coming on. Uh, my pleasure, Patrick. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It is beautiful and sunny here in Halifax, uh, which is nice for a change. But uh, how's it going there? In I'm assuming you're in Toronto. Uh, I am not. I am in Bristol, oh. Connecticut. I'm doing the playoffs for ESPN Radio, so I am calling them from. Uh, we're not on site this year, so I'm calling them from mm -hmm. the ESPN studios in Connecticut. Oh, awesome. awesome! I didn't even know that they had a studio in Connecticut. That's pretty cool. That's so, where the uh, studio is. Everybody's got to be somewhere. And, uh, that's, where, that's where ESPN is located. It seems like a strange place for ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, of all places. <laughs> uh, well, I think when they started in 1979 as a little startup, I guess, you know, maybe they got a good deal on the land and, and <laughs> kind of gradually uh, uh, expanded from there. But they've, they've always, I mean, they have studios in L.A., New York. They have a 
kind of a satellite um, campus in Charlotte, but Bristol, Connecticut is the is the hub of the operation. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, Dan, the first thing I wanted to uh, to talk to you about today was was a very interesting fact that I uh, and it was that you were actually at the first ever Toronto Blue Jays game way back on April seventh, nineteen seventy seven. Quite a while ago, and you were there with your dad. Uh, can you can you talk about that experience a little bit? Being at Exhibition Stadium with the uh, the snow falling on the ground with forty thousand newly minted Jays fans. Yeah, you make me feel very old when you say way back, like it's from the uh, <laughs> war era or something like that. So uh, I'm sure there are other living people who were also at the game. Uh, so it's it was uh, forty three years ago, I guess, nineteen seventy seven, and and actually it's funny. My dad told me, I guess he saw whatever you just saw, you know, the story. I don't remember who I gave the story to, but my dad saw it. And, you know, I was just a little kid then. Not a little, I was 10 years old. And and my dad called me up and he goes, I wasn't there with you. He goes, we went with, you went with, and it was friends of the family who took me. But my dad was working. Mm-hmm. Um, but friends of the family invited me to go with them. So uh, I didn't actually go with my dad. But so the, I don't remember much. I know they won. I remember the snow. And I remember we didn't stay till the end of the game, actually. Like, it was really cold. And we were, you know, a few little kids with uh, with one dad. So I don't think we made it through the whole game. But I definitely was there. Uh, and I still have my program from that day, actually. That uh, awesome. I have a pretty good box of old Leaf and uh, and Blue Jay programs from the 70s. And, and it's in there. So, That's really cool. <laughs> was there a kind awesome. of a, uh, the same sentiment... Uh, back then as there is today where the Jays, well, I guess since the Expos did exist back then, uh, but the Jays were kind of coming into their own as like Canada's team or like they were about to become the big team as far as uh, national sports go. I I don't think we thought of it that way then. And again, I was a kid. I think we were just thrilled to have baseball. You know, none of us ever thought, uh, I mean, as a little kid, I didn't think we were ever going to have Major League Baseball. And, And I can't speak for everybody else. But before 1977, I was 99% a hockey fan because that's mm-hmm. what we had. Um, and then baseball came in, and we were just so thrilled to have baseball. I don't think we thought about it as Canada's team or Toronto versus Montreal or or anything like that. It was just fun to have baseball in Toronto. And at the beginning, because they were an expansion team and they weren't any good, um, you know, we were just as excited to to see the the Tigers and the Yankees and the Angels and you know the great players that they had uh, come into Toronto. Um, it was a few years later before the Blue Jays would be competitive. And yeah. in terms of the Canada's team, I, um, it was, uh, I never really thought about it in that way, to be honest. It, it was just, you know, I was a Toronto kid and just, uh, just very happy to be able to go down to Exhibition Stadium and see baseball games. For sure. Now, now keeping that going, I mean, with, with the Blue Jays being around for 43 years now, there have been a lot of an, an incredibly talented players who have played for the team. Uh, looking back on your, on your broadcast career now, so jumping forward a, a few years anyway, um, who has been your first, your your most favorite player to broadcast the game when they're playing? Like whether it be a pitcher, a hitter, like who have you looked forward to watching every time they went out to play? Um, well, I've had two different stints calling Blue Jays games. So one mm-hmm. was from 1995 to 2001, and then I came back in 2016 to start doing some games again. Right. So. Um, you know, in 92 and 93, when they won the World Series, I wasn't calling games, but I was part of the radio crew. I did the pre and post game shows for hmm. uh, for CJCL. It wasn't even the I guess it was becoming the fan for the fan at that time. 
Um, and it was hard not to love, you know, John Olerud, Paul Molitor, Roberto Alomar. I mean, they were incredible players uh, on that team. Um, I, I always thought Paul Molitor was phenomenal. I mean, he was near the end of his career then, obviously a Hall of Famer. Um, and what he did for the Blue Jays in his three years in Toronto was was amazing. So Paul Molitor would be, you know, one of the first names that that comes to mind. Um, you know, there was some really good guys on the teams that I called too. I was young and, and, you know, needed some help and some of the players, you know, they helped educate me a little bit and helped speed up my learning curve and guys like Dan Plesak, Paul Quantrill, Pat Henkin, Sean Green, Carlos Delgado. That was the group kind of that I broke in with. They were all around when I was calling games. And that was a, that was a really, it was a really good group. I, I, uh, I benefited a lot from getting to know them. Um, I'm still in touch with most of them and they really helped me back when I was a young guy trying to figure things out. That's awesome. I, I love that you threw in uh, Paul Quantrill there. We kind of have a, an inside joke on the podcast where Patrick usually tries to bring him up in, in some way, shape or form in every episode that we do. So thanks for doing that for us. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he's the best. He's as good a guy as I've met at baseball. Honestly, he's, he's, he's great. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, to Cal getting a chance to play uh, a lot more of the Indians now too. And, and obviously, Josh and the other. It was, it was cool to see two two Canadians involved in a in the same yeah. trade this season. I'm looking forward to watching those guys. Naylor had a great playoffs for the for the Indians, so hopefully he can continue that going forward. Yeah, I think so. I think they're both going to get a pretty good chance, and it's. Uh, I, I know I'm happy for Paul because it's easy for him to drive to Cleveland and see Cal play now. It's not. It's, yeah. it's a little bit easier than having to go all the way. To San Diego. <laughs> yeah. yeah, San Diego is a beautiful city, though, so I I can't imagine he would have been too disappointed to make a few trips down there every season. But yeah. Awesome. So, so looking back at, at the most recent years, obviously you said you, you came back to the Jays in 2016, kind of in the, the height of, of Blue Jay mania over those two years in, in 2015 and 2016. What was it like coming in on, on kind of a high note and then having a, a couple of years post-2016 where the team really had to completely break it down to the rafters and just rebuild? Yeah, it's always more fun, obviously, when the team is competitive. So my first time around from 95 through 01, they were always OK. They never made yeah. a season. So and when I came back in 2016, I only did about 30 games that year. I was still mm -hmm. doing Sunday night baseball for ESPN at the time. So I had very limited availability. Um, but it, it's always more fun to go to the ballpark and call games when the team you're covering is good. It, it, you know, 17, 18 and 19 to me was inevitable there. Yeah, it, it sure. was. It was a given that some of the older players with big contracts would have to move on, contracts run out, get traded away, whatever the case may be. And these kinds of things don't happen overnight. It takes a while. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, uh, you knew this was going to take a while. And but you could see also the younger wave, which we've now come to know a lot better. You could see they were on the horizon and that things were going to get better. It was just going to take a while. Sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. So. Um, you know, that every broadcaster would tell you the same thing. Covering a team is more fun than covering a bad team. Um, but, uh, you know, I wasn't in it for, you know, for me or just for one year or whatever. You knew things were going to get better. And even though they weren't doing great in 17, 18, whatever, I, I was enjoying being back. I hadn't called games in Toronto in a long time. Um, it was fun to go down to the ballpark again. It was fun to do a game and then sleep in my own bed at home again and not, you know, not be on the road all the time. So, mm -hmm. Um, you know, the losing, uh, was what it was and, and, uh, you know, we're starting to see obviously that they're turning the corner now. Definitely. Yeah. And, and looking at this, this current young wave of, of Jay's players, 
is there a player that you think is is just becoming a star now that, that everybody in baseball is going to to know like to be like a Mike Trout or a Derek Jeter like is there a player on this team who has the potential to be that like otherworldly kind of star well that's a very high bar you said so I, I, <laughs> I know <laughs> you know Mike Trout is going to go down as one of the five best players in baseball history 100%. and Derek yeah. Derek Jeter's an inner circle Hall of Famer so but they have some very special players um, and I think Bo Bichette has a chance to be very special. So, I mean, he was going great before he got hurt this year, and it never really got back to what he was before um, when he came back after the injury. But I think he be very special, and I want to believe that Vladdy still has a chance to be special. You know, he's got some work to put in to get there. Um, but they've got a lot of guys. Teoscar Hernandez, uh, yeah. you know, if, he, if this is really him, um, then he's going to be a very good player. I, I loved what I saw from Rowdy Telez for the few weeks before he got hurt. So, but if I had to pick one guy, I mean, Bo and Vladdy are the are the top two. They're they're both very talented, and, and I just want to see Bo get a, a healthy 162 games. You know, last year um, he he got he broke his hand in the minors last year. He had a concussion in the majors this year. He had a hamstring problem. And then the knee injury, and yeah. you just want to see him stay healthy because if he stays healthy, I think he's got a chance to be great. Yeah, I know uh, a lot of people that we that we talked to had been concerned about Bo being injury prone, and I, and I quick the caution of the two injuries last year were hit by pitch. There's, right. not, there's not a lot a batter can do about that. If if you get hit, you yeah. get hit. Sometimes you get hurt. Obviously, the, the the injuries this year are him as a result of him playing hard, like incredibly hard all the time. There's not he, a I, I don't. I don't think I'd label him as injury prone. I mean, let's yeah. see him through a full season. He's never been in the season. We forget how young these guys are. Yeah. Um, you know, the knee injury that he suffered in the on deck circle this year. Hopefully, it's just kind of a freak thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it's way too early to label him as injury prone. Let's see what happens next year. Definitely. Now, I know uh, we we love. We love talking about like ballpark experiences. So obviously, this season not being at a ballpark. How long did it take you to get used to like remote broadcasting? Was there a real you had to kind of just kind of figure out a new formula? Yeah, there's a pretty big adjustment period. There are some things you just can't see in the studio that you see at the ballpark. And and I'd say it took me and Buck, I don't know, I, I would say by the fourth or fifth game, we felt pretty comfortable, but comfortable understanding still that it had limitations, that there were yeah. things were not, there are certain plays that were tough. A stolen base was tough. Mm -hmm. uh, when there are two men on and somebody hits a ball in the gap and all the runners are circling, it's tough. Yeah. Um, there's some things that you're used to looking out at the field and you can see everything and now you can't do that. So it was challenging, but it, you know, it, we were just happy to be working. We were happy there was baseball and our crew at Sportsnet did an unbelievable job. I don't know if you ever saw the pictures. I tweeted out some pictures mm -hmm. from Sid studio and yeah. they did an unbelievable job giving us, um, the best opportunity to be successful. I, I, I'm not sure people understand how it works. So like when the Blue Jays were at Fenway Park, we were getting a feed from the Boston crew and yeah. we only get what the Boston crew sends us. And there was a, uh, there was a deal between all 30 teams about what you would send. So you, they would send something called an all nine, which was a high home camera looking down on the field. So you could see the defense. We would get bullpen cameras and we would get a scoreboard camera. And then we would get what's called the program feed, which is what you would see at home watching on television. So that would be it. Um, but they gave us the biggest monitors they could find, and they put them in all the right areas. We kept tinkering about 
you know, where should we put this and that? Because if I've got to look way over there to see if the runner's tagging up, and then I have to look way back here to see where the throw's coming, so we would move monitors around to make it a little better. And, um, you know, everybody did, uh, did the, be the best they could. And I, I had a, it was nice. I had a lot of people say to me, like, you wouldn't know you're not at the ballpark. And that's, that's what we were hoping for, is to make it sound yeah. like we were at the ballpark. So we got used to it fairly quickly. We really did. But um, it, it, it'll never be the same as being at the ballpark. No, and I mean, for for all the fans, it was weird, obviously, not having the option to even go to a ball game for the first time in, in ever, really. Uh, I know for, for me living in Saskatoon, the the closest three ballparks are uh, Minneapolis, Denver, and Seattle, and they're all about a 16-hour straight shot drive if I wanted to drive straight. So uh, for me, I'm used to watching at home, um, and yeah, you guys did really make it feel Almost like it was a radio broadcast at times. The the way the way you had to describe more more things for people who weren't also at the ballpark. But obviously, like you said, yeah, there's just some stuff that you you can't see. Uh, I remember a couple of times when uh, there'd be like something that would happen off camera. Somebody would get ejected, or there'd be a, an appeal play or something like that. And and, and I remember Buck. Uh, my favorite game was like uh, trying to compete with Buck to see who could get like, the call right before we knew what was going on. There's yeah. a few times where everyone was guessing and, and we finally find out what the replay was about or what they were checking in on. But uh, yeah, there were some strange ones. And obviously with the Jays being in Buffalo uh, this year, they had to throw in some unique rules, like the two challenges system, yeah. um, whatever, the new lighting. Do you think if things continue the way they are, we may be in a similar situation would the Jays consider playing in Buffalo again next season or would they look for a major league ballpark? Uh, you'd have to ask them that I'm not privy to that. <laughs> but I, I, I definitely yeah. think Buffalo, I, I mean, the schedule is already out for next year, so mm -hmm. they can't play in a major league ballpark. True. It's not like, it's not like Pittsburgh is on the road every time that the blue Jays are home. So I don't think they can play in a major league ballpark. Um, so I think Buffalo, you know, hopefully Toronto was number one, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we don't know what the future holds. I think Buffalo definitely will be under consideration simply because they know what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, you know, another ballpark, and I don't know if there's any merit to this or not, but there's a beautiful ballpark in Omaha, Nebraska, where they play the College World Series. Right. Uh, I've never been there, but I have friends who live there, and, and, and they say it's gorgeous, and I believe, actually, that for a, a little while there were some conversations between the Blue Jays and folks in Omaha about it, but with the Blue Jays only playing the Eastern divisions this year, being in Omaha didn't make any sense. But next year, if it's a full schedule, if it's the schedule we think it is, and yeah. they're going to Anaheim and Oakland and Seattle and Minneapolis and Kansas City and Arlington, then maybe Omaha makes some sense. It's central. And from what I understand, the facilities are really, really good. Now, mm -hmm. again, I have no idea if that's possible. The, the College World Series has to be played there. I don't know how they would deal with that. So... You know, like everything else in uh, the world we live in right now, it's up in the air. We don't have the answers. Day-to-day, -day, truly, yeah. <laughs> the One of the big topics that I, I want to talk with you about today is is really the, the immersion of uh, advanced statistics and all these new metrics that are coming into baseball. So we've, we've, we've seen you guys, you and Bach, bring into the broadcast things like war and obviously the, uh, the StatCast AI on a lot of things like catching and, and, uh, and home runs. 
What's it been like for you? Do you think it's a, a good or bad thing with all these new ways to measure players? Are we getting too complicated, or is it, is it something that was just a natural course of things in baseball? I mean, it's, I think it's natural to try to be smarter about the game. And, and uh, I mean, there, there are two aspects to it, I guess. From a broadcasting aspect, like if I start going with WOBA and weighted runs created plus <laughs> and things like that, 98% of the people watching are not going to know what I'm talking about. They're just, yeah. they're just not. Um, so we do some of it, you know, we, we've talked OPS, OPS, OPS plus ERA plus war, like you said, Statcast. So we're doing some of it, but I think there's a limit to how much we can do at least now, you know, maybe in 10 years, it's different, but, um, some is good, but, uh, too much is not good in, in, in my mind. So, you know, it also depends people of different ages, different backgrounds from different generations, look at the numbers differently. So, um, I, I think we've done some. I think we're doing an appropriate amount in, uh, in terms of, you know, then the other aspect is, has it made the game better? And I think in some ways the answer is yes, and in some ways the answer is no. Um, you know, it, it's great to be smarter and, to, you know, if shifting makes sense because a guy pulls the ball on the ground all the time, great, 100%. But um, I, I think some things have, have been lost in the game. I, I think the, mm-hmm. the game's... The flow of the games are not as good. The games take too long. Uh, and it's not that I want to go home and have dinner or go to bed or anything like that. It's that I want the sport to be popular. And yeah. it's tough to get people to sit down for three hours and 45 minutes. So uh, I worry about the flow of the game. I worry about the popularity of the game. And I think the game's a little more interesting when the ball's in play more. I think speed and defense are interesting parts of the game. And I don't think they matter as much as they used to because of the way the game played now uh, is played now. So... You know, something can be smarter, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's more enjoyable. Um, you know, it can be both. So, uh, like, I totally am on board with the analytics. I'm a math major. I have a very strong mathematical background. I get them. Uh, but I, I think there's a, um, I think within the game, there has to be a feel aspect to the game as well. And I think the people who run the game uh, need to you know, need to take uh, into account what younger fans are interested in, what fans in general are interested in, and try to make the game as um, as watchable as possible. For sure. And I mean, from, from my perspective, too, like I, from not seeing many live ball games in my life, that's have really been kind of a refuge for me, being able to be connected to a lot of different ball teams, whether it be the Blue Jays or the Anaheim Angels, whoever it may be. So I, I'm, I'm really enjoying that there are, that they're working but you guys are working in some of that into the broadcast. It's definitely made it more of a, uh, enjoyable for me personally. But I do understand that that kind of feeling of just because we can doesn't mean that we should, right? We we have all these stats, but we have yeah. to still rely on what our what our eyes tell us. Yeah, well, there are different uh, places to do it too. Like sometimes an yeah. art, online article is a more appropriate place to really dive into it. I mean, we're calling a ball game, right? So yeah, we we can't get too far off the action. Um, yeah. And again, we, you know, obviously we understand batting average and RBIs aren't as meaningful as they used to be. When I was a kid, those were the, the only three stats that mattered were batting average home runs and RBIs. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason the triple crown is batting average home runs and RBIs because for generations, that's what, what people talked about. And, and, you know, again, obviously we understand on base percentage and OPS and, 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 you know, other things are, are much more important now. Um, but I, I think like everything, you've just got to find a balance. You know, my, my 84 year old dad does not want to know what FIP is. He just doesn't, uh, yeah. you know, he's, 
but he knows what ERA is. Yep. And, you know what, my 84-year-old dad is important. He matters. He's been watching baseball for, for his whole life. And, and so mm -hmm. I think we've got to try to, again, strike a balance between what different kinds of fans want. For sure. Yeah, that's definitely a delicate balance. Um, the last thing I want to get into with you, just based on that conversation and talking about kind of a new, so I'm thinking more so about the current players on the Jays. We've, we've seen in previous years, like guys like Russell Martin come in and, and kind of not perform too well behind the plate. And then we've got a younger player like Danny Jansen doing the same thing now. Um, it's a kind of an awkward segue, but I really want to talk about talk about these young Blue Jays players. Like, who who do you think is going to be given the longest runway? Like, is Denny Jansen going to be given time behind the plate to figure out, figure it out offensively? Uh, how long do they, do they keep playing Vladdy at first base? Or they just make him a full-time DH? Like, which, which current Blue Jay do you think is going to have the longest runway to really figure it out? I think they've got a lot of things to decide. I think they've got to decide, is Bo a shortstop or do they move him to second? Mm -hmm. Is Vigio a second baseman or a third baseman or a guy who plays all over the field? Can Vladdy play first? Um, is Jansen strong enough both ways behind the plate? And, and I think next year is a huge year because I yeah. think I think by the end of next year, they need answers to all of these questions, all of them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year was kind of a rough year. This year was a bit of a developmental season, but with the expanded playoff format, all of a sudden they're competing for a playoff spot. So things changed. Next year, I think they have to go into the year competing for a playoff spot. But at the same time, they still have some unanswered questions. So um, next year to me is going to be a fascinating year because they may have to figure out some of this stuff on the fly. Now, who knows? They may go out and trade for or sign a shortstop in this offseason. And Bo might be at second base. Um, I think they're going to give Vladdy a chance this winter to live up to his end of the bargain, lose some weight, and come in looking like a better first baseman. First base is hard. It's a yeah. harder position than people understand. Um, it's not just catching the ball. There are a lot of different things you have to do that require experience and, and really thinking the game. Um, so I think they're going to give him a chance next year. I don't think you want to make a 21, 22-year-old guy a DH just yet. So, But it's up to him. It's, it's ultimately up to him. So I think Jansen gets a next year to prove that he can be uh, a big part of the situation behind the plate. So they've got a lot of things still to figure out. Um, their defense was not good. And if they're going to be a championship team, their defense has to get a lot better. Um, and, and I think by the end of next year, they have to absolutely know what they've got and what they don't have so they can go out and address what they don't have the following offseason. Perfect. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so at the, end of, at the end of any interview that we do, we typically want to give you the opportunity Plug your stuff, Dan. What do you want people to know about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I don't know what they have to know about. I mean, uh, <laughs> so I'm doing the playoffs now for ESPN Radio, which I've done every year for the last 23 years, I guess. Um, doing the World Series this year for the 10th year in a row. And then assuming there's a college basketball season, um, I don't know where, how, what, how it's going <laughs> to work exactly, whether I'm bubbling somewhere, but I'll be heading somewhere i guess to do college basketball for espn and then just looking forward to the baseball season starting up again next year so that's uh that's me in a nutshell awesome well we appreciate the time it's it's been a genuine pleasure uh meeting you for the first time and then also chatting some blue jays baseball uh we hope to have you back on sometimes in, in the future all right enjoy thank you wow what a great pair of infuse that we were able to get done for episode 100 man Thanks so much to Dan and Hendo for coming on the show. Justin, what did you think? Are these our best interviews yet? 
Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I hope I may be biased here, but I think it's our best episode yet with <laughs> the fact that we're able to have not one but two guests on. Uh, and just the fact that both of these guests are are big in the Blue Jays community, obviously one calling games and one being such a uh, a great writer. And I think a, a big a important thing about Hendo is he's a huge realist. He doesn't really get anything, any of these far-fetched theories. He's definitely a, a, a logical Blue Jays sports writer, which we don't have enough of sometimes. But yeah, definitely a couple of great interviews and hopefully we can have uh, Hendo on more going forward. And if there's ever a chance to bring Mr. Shulman on, I'm sure we jump at the chance too. Absolutely. I was so grateful just uh, when we we managed to get a DM uh, going with him and he was able to take time out of his extremely busy schedule right. to come on the show. And, uh, and like you were saying, uh, he was able to actually record like literally from a hotel, like from his hotel room, just like getting ready to uh to record or getting ready himself to do the broadcasting for uh for the i think it was the uh, alcs yep amazing it was <laughs> very grateful to him um but you know what 100 down and we've got plenty more uh in the tank when it comes to uh, the off season uh once the world series is over we're going to be hitting up uh all of the the grading episodes that we love to do this is our what is this our third our our third set of grading episodes. This will be the third done. season of grading episodes. Yeah, man. For some reason, it feels like more. I think it's probably because we've done mid season ones before. We've done a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah, we really we really stretched that idea <laughs> quite a bit uh, in our early time. Um, but we're really excited to do some grading episodes. We're gonna break it down into four categories: uh, infield, outfield, starters, and relievers. Uh, there's all kinds to talk about, and uh, it's not just going to be stat-based stuff. Uh, we're going to take a different approach this year, and uh, I think they're uh, they're going to be great episodes to uh, to listen to. What are your thoughts on the off season? Yeah, friend? no, uh, I, I I always enjoy the grading episodes too. Uh, we we get to focus a little bit on our, our stat junkiness, so we get to give ourselves a quick fix of that. Um, but I'm looking forward to. To learning more about what the MLB is going to look like next year. Obviously, this whole pandemic is still uh, wreaking havoc in the United States, so we're not we're still not 100% certain if the 2021 schedule is going to go as is currently uh, shown. If the Jays are going to be able to play in Toronto, or if there's going to be some more changes to the season again. But looking forward to that. Obviously, we've got things like free agency, the winter meetings, and then before we know it, it's going to be February, and pitchers and catchers are going to be back um, in spring training, whether or not it's in Florida or, or somewhere else. Again, we just have no idea. It's really a, a lot of speculation at this point. But we're going to keep the content coming all off season, as it's going to be a pretty short one this winter. No, no, no shorter than usual, but. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna feel short, I think, just because of the amount of news that's gonna break. But uh, yeah, we'll have more guests. Hopefully, some new guests, maybe some older turning guests again. And I think the important thing to note is that we're really just getting this thing started. We we talked about um, at the beginning of the show is that we wanted to get to 100 episodes just to have that milestone episode. And I mean. Like Patrick said, we've recorded more than 100 episodes already, but in terms of chronological order and the, the list of things, this is episode 100 for us. So it's a, really, really been a celebration of everything that we've been able to accomplish, um, along with Clayton so far in, in BFMB's history. But before we know it, 
it's going to be spring training and the Blue Jays are going to be on the field again uh, for hopefully a great 2021. Any closing remarks from you, Patch, before we wrap up episode 100? Yeah, I got a couple things I want to say. So uh, <laughs> for maybe the 100th time in the history of the podcast, everybody just listen, just listen. Okay, <laughs> It's been a hell of a journey. Uh, it's been fantastic to have so much support come from friends and family who listen to this thing. Um, but really, we're we're only just starting to get a real uh, a real taste of what it's like to get feedback from from fans of the show. And I have to say thank you to the fans uh, for providing us with feedback. Um, we love getting it. So again, at BFMD podcast, if you really you really want to rip us a new one, feel free to DM us or, uh, or tweet us. <laughs> Always. More than happy to get feedback on the show because we just want to keep doing this and we are going to keep doing this and it's just going to keep getting better. But the last thing I have to say is there's one big thank you that I think I need to say myself. And that's a thank you to you, Justin, because this podcast doesn't exist without you. And I can't imagine doing it with anybody else. So give yourself a pat on the back uh, for a hell of a job. We've come a long way, man. And there's still so much more to do. And uh, I can't wait. For sure, I feel much the same way. It's been uh, it's been an incredible journey over the last like really two and a half years. Obviously, uh, things didn't go as planned this year. We had originally hoped to to maybe meet up in Toronto at some point to watch a ball game, and of course that didn't happen. So we're looking forward to the time when we can uh, safely travel, whether it be to Toronto or to elsewhere, to uh, meet up to watch the Jays in person. Man, that's going to be a crazy episode when we actually get to do that. <laughs> oh, man, I cannot wait for that. But we'll see what 2021 looks like because, man, the world is a crazy place right now. <laughs> sure is. It's crazier than normal. But uh, with that being said, for, for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, you got me, Justin, in Saskatoon saying thanks for listening. Please do check us out. We're at BFMD Podcast on Twitter. You can find us uh, on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, whatever the hell the Google thing is called now. Uh, tune in, Stitcher, Podbean. There's a ton of podcast places out there. Just show us some love. Give us a review if you like us. Subscribe to the show so you get those notifications. Yeah, like and subscribe. You heard it here. We're going to be coming at you all off-season with new episodes. So keep listening to at BFMD Podcast. See you next time.